You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, sire. Greetings. <laughs> it is good to see you. <laughs> what podcast are they listening to? I don't I don't even know. Not, not the one that, that they thought they were listening to, <laughs> apparently. Well, I that was a break away from what I intend. I was actually just going to say, you, I think you look nice today. Why, thank you. I think you look nice. I like that t-shirt a lot. <laughs> well, I was going to, the reason I just laughed, I suppressed a laugh there, is not to denigrate your compliment, not to reject it, but simply because I was going to say, you look nice today. That shirt looks nice, comma. Here I am sitting across from you with a shirt that I couldn't even be bothered to iron last night. <laughs> I'm like, what's the least wrinkled shirt that I have? And the answer was all of all of them were equally wrinkled. So I just yeah, I just picked this one. I can't tell. Came, came it's a black in today t-shirt. with a very wrinkled shirt. <laughs> exactly. That's t-shirt. the trick. That's the trick. Yeah, yeah. I, I went a little overboard last night. At the time we're recording this, last night, my brother-in-law he bought a smoker recently. Yeah, and he smoked a whole like brisket, like this giant slab of brisket. I saw the Insta stories. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Woof. I yeah. I ate a little too much. I, I, I overdid it a bit. And, uh, well, you wouldn't know because you came in with such a spiffy shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was the oh the spiffy <laughs> shirt will reveal. I didn't overdo it last night. They won't know what I ate. They won't know, especially <laughs> since they can definitely see me. On the podcast. Exactly. Well, anyway, you know what is also great? What is also great, I was about to Josiah. compare this doctrine to brisket. I'm like, I, uh, I can't do that. It's, it's too much. Mm. No, today we are on to the second of the Reformation solas. Yeah. Today's sola is solus Christus. Okay. Which means Christ alone. Kind of get that, you know, Christ, Christus. Yes. Christ, sola. That, I was closest to understanding this one. Yes. Yeah. That one. That's the one. Yes. I thought we would start off with a nice little definition from my uh, systematics professor at the seminary I'm attending, Dr. Anderson. He actually defined this doctrine doctrine pretty succinctly, and I think he hit the nail right on the head with his definition. And here's what he said. Solus Christus means that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners, and his atoning sacrifice is sufficient to save them. Hmm. So if I were a betting man, I would say this is going to delineate that it's not you or your work or your efforts that redeem you, but but here we go, but Christ alone. Bingo, bango. (laughs) And given our recent-ish discussion topic of indulgences, not to mention, you know, the practices of confession and penance, I'm assuming it's an interesting little tangle when it comes to the differences between Protestants and Catholics. You would be correct mm. if wish, you... Wish I was said. a betting man and wish this somehow mattered <laughs> in a betting scenario. You may have 100 shiny pennies <laughs> for your correct... <laughs> Bet. Yes, no, you are right. And so taking all that together, though, we still want to discern whether this is an accurate definition, biblically speaking, right? We don't want to take it just because Dr. Anderson said so, even though he's British and awesome. That lends an infallible credibility. It does. When you say something in a British accent and you are from Britain, I am 98% more likely to believe anything you You definitely get the benefit of the doubt of most of us Americans. (laughs) You do. You do. So we do want to check that out and then indeed dig a little deeper into how this distinguishes us as Protestants, and then also look at what this doctrine does and does not mean for us as Christians. So then, briefly, let us ask, is Jesus Christ the only Savior of sinners? Well, if we hold to sola scriptura, which is what we covered 
last time, then yes, uh, we do believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners. Uh, John 14, 6 is perhaps the most well-known reference to this fact. That's where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. It's a pretty exclusive statement. Yes. You know, you, there's not a lot of uh, room for leeway there. Not really any wiggle room, you know, no little heretical insects going to get through that wall, probably. <laughs> it is you know? very specific. Pretty airtight. Um, if airtight, you don't, that's good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, airtight. If you if you don't go through Jesus, you don't go at all. That's that's pretty standard Protestant rhetoric. <laughs> now, is his atoning sacrifice sufficient to save sinners? That's the real... That's the million-dollar question. question. It is. It really is, and that's really what gets you into trouble, depending on where you, you land, because when you look at the testimony of Scripture and you really just stop and think about your own life, you see that we're guilty of rebellion against the creator of the universe. Mm. Pretty staunch mm. crime. And I can't remember who said this, but one theologian wrote that in our sinning, we're not only trying to dethrone God, we're often, whether we consciously know it or not, trying to un-God God, which is the highest offense possible. It's not exactly something I want to I want to, I want to imagine myself guilty no, of. No, 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 no. Prefer not. No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> words of my daughter, Abigail. No, 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 no. no, no. no. So if that is true, like if, if that is what we have done, and that is the testimony of scripture, we, we have tried to do that, that means that the highest sacrifice possible must be made if we're going to be forgiven for that offense. A sacrifice has to match the level of offense yeah. if we're going to be forgiven. So if our sin was against an eternal God and thus merited an eternal debt, we need something of eternal value to pay the debt, which of course, when you start thinking through the logic of it, creates an obvious problem because the only <laughs> thing that has eternal value is God himself. Himself. That's mm. quite a quandary. <laughs> quite and a- we're also speaking of like, oh, you also believe that this God is eternal and all powerful. And it's like, mm, yeah. how do you, how do you, sus- yes. what is the loophole that even makes it possible to pay yes. for something when you're immortal? Yes, because you can't die. Like no. it's, phys- it's impossible for God to die. So you run into all of this and that's where the scriptures come to our uh, rescue basically. And we would read in a passage like 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, he says, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, because obviously silver or gold is not equal to the eternal debt that we accrued. But Peter goes on to say, but you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, which, you know, you take the logic of that. Peter is able to say that Christ's blood is precious and that it effectively ransomed us because Jesus is God incarnate. Exactly. We skipped a couple of steps there in the little way, but, you know, I'm assuming I'm that sure we have... you're familiar with at least most of them. Yes, <laughs> there are some baseline steps that I'm assuming we could just, you know, skip over there. But yes, John 1 tells us that Jesus was with God in the beginning and was God. And Paul in Romans 9, 5 says, to Israel belong the patriarchs and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So that's how Peter can say when Jesus died as God incarnate Mm. and his blood was shed for you, that was like blood of eternal value and therefore it can atone for eternal debt. That's it. So that answers the question, yes. Is his sacrifice sufficient to save sinners? Yes. To kind of jump back to a specific thing you said that has stuck with me for the entirety of that that explanation. I was listening. I want you to know I was listening. (laughs) I'm glad we listened to each other. That's good. (laughs) Kind, courteous. But like that description of sin uh, that effectively is an act of of attempting to to dethrone God Mm -hmm. or basically in your actions is an attempt at ungodding God. That is so cumbersome for me to speak. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I think, like, at the very least, when we do that, we essentially unseat him in our hearts. Right. Which seems like, are you kidding? I've literally never done or thought something. I've never thought those words. I'm right. Like, oh yeah. God, I'm not thinking, horrifying. I want to dethrone God by doing this. Exactly. And it's it's not like I'm ever thinking, I'd like to sin, and, and, and in doing so, send this message to my own creator. Yes. Uh, but again, that you know, that's the implication in choosing sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's realizations like that where I, I kind of start to understand the desire to anonymously walk into some <laughs> dark confessional and get the magic number of Hail Marys to just, just you know, clear that up, clear all yeah, that up. Because that, that is such a weighty and literally kind of damning realization. It is. There's yes. so much transgression in understanding it um, with that perspective. Yes. And that it did take the incarnate son of God himself. Exactly. To be able to offer you forgiveness for that. Like, woo-wee. It's like that line in that hymn, my favorite hymn of all time, How Deep the Father's Love for yeah. Us. You know, it was my sin that held him there. Oh, yeah, that's that's true, and that's frightening. And like, But that he would do that is and, and do it in love, not, you know, begrudgingly or unwillingly, but that he would. In fact, again, to come back to Peter, he says that Jesus Christ was chosen to do that before the foundation of the world. That like, mm. that this wasn't something he was like, oh, Whoops. shoot, they did it. Well, now I guess I got to go do it. He was like, he yeah. was willing to do this from eternity past. And um, yeah, I, I get where you're saying the desire to kind of like, oh, yeah, like no one has to. You, somehow you feel like you're getting around having to face up to God. Exactly. If you go into to the, yeah, that's really, really interesting and obviously not quite the thing to do. (laughs) So... All that to say, yes, as far as the scriptures go, I think Dr. Anderson's definition of solus Christus holds its water, so to speak. What a strange phrase, holds water. I assume it has something to do with like wineskins. Probably. Back in the yeah, day. Yeah, or something like that. I'm making assumptions. It's yeah, why everyone you know, know. It, I've it, done no research on that. Yeah, the imagery obviously lends itself to something like that. So, to <laughs> piggyback off of what you've just been saying, as far as how this doctrine distinguishes us as Protestants, I think that two of the most defining marks have to do with Christ being our lone mediator and who we look to for assurance in our salvation. So as far as mediation goes, Paul himself said, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. So what Solus Christus tells us then is that when it comes to the direct intercession of heaven and who we go to when we want to approach God as directly as possible as human beings, you know? I I try not to, like, if you think about that too much, this is really rambling, but, like, you can't even spatially think of God. Yeah. It's not like he's some substance that can, like, you know, that he's, like, even spatially... It's just so weird. Like, how do you approach that? Well, you don't think about it too much, first of all, and then, like, go to Jesus Christ in Mm -hmm. prayer. But that was a weird digression. The point being is that Jesus is the only one who can mediate and the only one who needs to mediate for us. So, in other words... We do not need to go to the Blessed Virgin Mary and ask her to go to Jesus for us, though may she indeed be blessed forever. <laughs> she is a blessed, blessed among women, indeed. But we don't need, it's not like we need to take this stair-step approach where we're like, well, mm. I'll go to Mary so that she can go to Jesus, right. and then he'll go to the, fa-. like, you can go to Jesus directly. Mm-hmm. You have that kind of access to him. And, and nor do we need to look to the saints for a treasury of merit, you know, hoping that they will, uh, you know, pray for us and give us, you know, their merits that they maybe how do we know they accumulated extra merit? Mm, I'm, I'm not sure. They know because they use a synabacus. <laughs> they kept track. They've got the synabacus. Yeah, and they're like, look at all of the extra blessing we've stored up. We're we're in the black today. <laughs> Trademark that. Like yeah. turn it into like a I want that on a t-shirt. I want a synabacus t-shirt. You'll be like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna go over so well. Yes, it will. But uh 
the point of that is Jesus Christ had and gave us his own merit. Like, that's the thing the soul is Christ is like. Yeah. The theological term is he imputed his righteousness to us. Like, it's this foreign righteousness that he possessed and he just gave it to us. Yeah. And it completely covers us. So, if you actually think about it in those terms, it would kind of be like a backhand insult to him hmm. to look elsewhere for these kinds of things. Because what you're actually saying is, well, Jesus, I know you died on the cross and all and endured the wrath of God and paid my eternal debt, but it wasn't quite enough. So I need to go like, you know, around to like yeah, the, these the other thing things. you planned before the foundations of the earth. I'm not feeling it. Yeah, Like I need to go around that. Somebody said so kind of got this weird, almost insultish quality. Yeah, to it, I do right? see what like, you're saying. Yeah. The weird flip, though, that I'm thinking on that is like with with a Catholic confessional, you have like, you know, this faceless priest that you're speaking to this, this mediator or, or, or the Virgin Mary or what have you. I clearly don't know a great deal about that. I've only watched Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you go that route, you can almost bypass, at least in my mind, a little bit of guilt. Now that's okay, yeah. just not to speak on every practice of every Catholic, right? But from my my perception and the way I think I would experience that, yeah. for me that would be a little get out of guilt free mm-hmm. in a sense because I don't have to go to the person or you know God who I sinned against. I right. don't have to directly face Jesus like you said. I don't have to face him with what I've done, and someone else can just do that for me and pat me on the back. Mm-hmm. And yet, like you said, Jesus already provided that merit, already covered our debt. And I think there's reason to actually find comfort as a result in going to Christ. Yes, exactly. And to put one more flip on what you just said, and this is one of the problems that Luther ran into over and over again, and what, you know, eventually, among other things, led him down the road he went, was that in that scheme how can you ever be sure you've like repented enough mm. or that if you've not gone or are not able to go to Christ directly to receive that assurance and word of forgiveness, how can you know whether or not you've actually like, oh, did I do enough today? Like to do that? Like in the system of penance, it's like, yeah. all right, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z acts or say how, however many Hail Marys <laughs> in order to, you know, mm-hmm. perform the penance necessary for this. And Luther's problem was, well, like you need to do it from a genuinely contrite heart. And like, yeah. what if my heart's not genuinely contrite uh-huh. enough? And I mean, he would like, there are, who knows if they're apocryphal or not, but stories of him being like six hours with his confessor, like confessing <sighs> his sins. And then like missing like chapel or something. And the priest is like, well, you missed chapel and you made me miss chapel. Like, and that's another sin that you have to confess. Oh my word. <laughs> like, just, the priest you know, was definitely very fed up with yeah, that. Like, like, and that's another one. Yeah. So it's just get all this craziness. And to then go off of that, as far as assurance of our salvation is concerned, Solus Christus then also tells us that we need not look at ourselves to be assured of our salvation, because that's what that scheme ultimately means, is you yes, have to look at exactly, yourself and exactly. know, okay, like, have I done enough? Like, well, that, you'll never be able to answer that question. No. And you'll never be able to do enough. Like, that's the thing, is like, you'll know that. Like, I, I even feel like you'll never be able to fully understand the gravity of what you've done no. within your, you know, the human confines of what we understand. Like, there's yeah. something deeper and more metaphysical there, because we're just trying to understand exactly yeah. what that what yeah. that means. Who was it? George MacDonald, one of those famous poetic writer guys, but talked about like how our problem is we never fully comprehend and weep enough over the full horror of our sin mm. because we can't fully understand mm-hmm. it. Like we just we can't fathom how this could be so we just can't like you said, metaphysically we can't comprehend it. Right. And so you can't ever be assured of your own salvation by looking to yourself. Solus Christus tells us though that if we lay hold of Christ by faith and if we look to him, like the Israelites look to the bronze serpent in Numbers 21.9, if you remember that story, we can rest in knowledge that he commands our destiny. 
destiny, that it has to do with him, that mm-hmm. his atoning sacrifice was enough, and that even if we don't perfectly repent of our sin, and because we can't, we'll never be able to perfectly repent of our sin, we will never be as completely contrite as we ought to be. Exactly. And yet what we can bring, I was thinking actually this morning, I was reading in John where the little boy brings five barley loaves and the two fish, yeah. and they're like, how is this going to be enough? to feed 5,000 oh, people. Wow. And Jesus is like, no, I can take that. Like, I can make that enough. Like, I can do that. And I was thinking about that, like, in terms of, like, everything I bring to Christ, everything I bring to him, whether it's my repentance, whether it's my offerings, whether it's my praise, whether it's my worship, it's just five loaves and two fish. Yeah. I'm like, this is not enough. And Jesus is like, nope, I'll take that. I Gosh. will make that. I will multiply that and make that work. And I'm like, that gives me assurance. Like, I don't even, I'm not even like, I'm like yeah, like, I look at my own, lo-. like, no, that's not going to do it. But Solus Christus tells me, look to Christ and whatever you have have to bring to him, which is already a gift from him anyway, bring it to him and he will make that enough. And you can look at him and that actually gives you the freedom to examine yourself then mm-hmm. without falling into the abyss of despair because you know like I can be honest and forthright as I can be knowing that Christ has secured my forgiveness and that he will enable me and help me by the power of his spirit to continue to live for him in his strength and in his grace and everything depends upon Christ and Christ will save his people. Mm. And that that's was a really beautiful example by the way. I think it's just literally this morning just reading mm. that in my devotions and so good. thinking that, about that. that. Chills. Yeah, look at that. See? Oh, saved the- on the podcast. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, yeah, that's Solus Christus, the second soul of the Reformation. That was, you know what? That was more exciting than I expected. (laughs) I can't wait for this series. Uh, Yes, it's going to be so good. Only three left, but you know. (laughs) Well, thank you as always for listening. Hope it was an encouragement to you today. And if you have any questions on this topic or any other, as always, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you were helped and you want to share with others or you want to boost the morale or whatever, (laughs) you can leave us an honest five-star review. You know, wherever you... Mm -hmm. iTunes store. That's where you primarily do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think so. We we discussed this recently. Mm -hmm. Little sidebar there for you. No, thank you as always for listening. We're always glad to share this time with you. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.